Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Reverend Steve Andrews. We continue our study in the book of Judges with Judges chapter 18. In those days there was no king in Israel, and in those days the tribe of the people of Dan was seeking for itself an inheritance to dwell in, for until then no inheritance among the tribes of Israel had fallen to them. So the people of Dan sent five able men from the whole number of their tribe, from Zorah and from Eshtaol, to spy out the land and to explore it. And they said to them, Go and explore the land. And they came to the hill country of Ephraim to the house of Micah and lodged there. When they were by the house of Micah, they recognized the voice of the young Levite. And they turned aside and said to him, Who brought you here? What are you doing in this place? What is your business here? And he said to them, This is how Micah dealt with me. He has hired me, and I have become his priest. And they said to him, Inquire of God, please, that we may know whether the journey on which we are setting out will succeed. And the priest said to them, Go in peace. The journey on which you go is under the eye of Yahweh. Then the five men departed and came to Laish, and saw the people who were there, how they lived in security after the manner of the Sidonians, quiet and unsuspecting, lacking nothing that is in the earth and possessing wealth, and how they were far from the Sidonians and had no dwellings with anyone. And when they came to their brothers at Zorah and Eshtaol, they, their brothers said to them, What do you report? They said, Arise, and let us go up against them, for we have seen the land, and behold, it is very good. And will you do nothing? Do not be slow to go, to enter in and possess the land. As soon as you go, you will come to an unsuspecting people. The land is spacious, for God has given it into your hands, a place where there is no lack of anything that is in the earth. So six hundred men of the tribe of Dan, armed with weapons of war, set out from Zorah and Eshtaol, and went up and encamped at Kiriath-Jerim in Judah. On this account, that place is called Mahane-Dan to this day. Behold, it is west of Kiriath-Jerim. And they passed on from there to the hill country of Ephraim and came to the house of Micah. Then the five men who had gone to scout out the country of Laish said to their brothers, Do you know that in these houses there are an ephod, household gods, a carved image, and a metal image? Now therefore consider what you will do. They turned aside there and came to the house of the young Levite at the home of Micah and asked him about his welfare. Now the six hundred men of the Danites, armed with their weapons of war, stood by the entrance of the gate. And the five men who had gone to scout out the land went up and entered and took the carved image, the ephod, the household gods, and the metal image, while the priest stood by the entrance of the gate with the six hundred men armed with weapons of war. And when these went into Micah's house and took the carved image, the ephod, the household gods, and the metal image, the priest said to them, What are you doing? And they said to him, Keep quiet, put your hand on your mouth, and come with us, and be to us a father and a priest. Is it better for you to be priest to the house of one man, or to be priest to a tribe and clan in Israel? And the priest's heart was glad. And he took the ephod and the household gods and the carved image and went along with the people. So they turned and departed, putting the little ones and the livestock and the goods in front of them. When they had gone a distance from the home of Micah, the men who were in the houses near Micah's house were called out, and they overtook the people of Dan. And they shouted to the people of Dan, who turned around and said to Micah, What is the matter with you that you come with such a company? 
And he said, You take my gods that I made and the priest and go away? And what have I left? How then do you ask me what is the matter with you? The people of Dan said to him, Do not let your voice be heard among us, lest angry fellows fall upon you and you lose your life with the lives of your household. Then the people of Dan went their way. And when Micah saw that they were too strong for him, he turned and went back to his home. But the people of Dan took what Micah had made, and the priest who belonged to him, and they came to Laish, to a people quiet and unsuspecting, and struck them with the edge of the sword, and burned the city with fire. And there was no deliverer, because it was far from Sidon, and they had no dealings with anyone. It was in the valley that belongs to Beth Rehob. Then they rebuilt the city and lived in it, and they named the city Dan, after the name of Dan, their ancestor, who was born to Israel. But the name of the city was Laish at the first. And the people of Dan set up the carved image for themselves. And Jonathan, the son of Gershom, son of Moses, and his sons were priests to the tribe of the Danites until the day of the captivity of the land. So they set up Micah's carved image that he made as long as the house of God was at Shiloh. This is the word of the Lord. And that is even that, that rejoicing statement we say when we finish reading a scripture together, thanks be to God. It is hard to say thanks be to God to a chapter like this. There's nothing good in this text. This text just shows us the depravity of man. It shows us our own sinful nature and what happens when there is no king ruling over us. And that's going to become the the focal point, it already has in the book, but it's the focal point of really all of Scripture. So helpful question for a family to recognize, who is our king? And don't go with the answer of earthly governments. It's not the United States government. It's not the president. It's not the Constitution. It's Jesus. Jesus is our king. His is the law that we are to obey. He is the one who cares for us, provides us, protects us, and ultimately gives us a home and a place to dwell, not just now, but forevermore. Jesus is our king. And so because they lack a king, they lack that that discipleship, right? We are disciples of Jesus. We follow him. They lack the one to follow, and so they do whatever is right in their own eyes. We saw it yesterday, and that's the the whole focus of the, the final chapters of the book of Judges. So, chapter 18 starts with that same sort of an idea, that there is no king in Israel. So then we're going to learn about the people of Dan. Now, Dan is one of the 12 sons of Jacob, or Israel. So Dan then becomes one of the 12 tribes of the people of Israel. But as you read through the the latter chapters in the book of Joshua, and you see all the different land allotted to the different tribes, there is a land allotted to Dan. They just never take it. Like, God apportions a specific spot in the promised land for them, and they never get it. And that's not on God. It's on them. But that's important, then, in this context, because we learn that these people were seeking for themselves an inheritance to dwell in because no inheritance among the tribes of Israel had fallen to them. This is not fallen as in casting lots, right? When you cast lots, the stones fall to the ground, and they take whatever form the Spirit wants them to fall upon, and whatever answer, right, from the Lord he, he's doing in that time. This is, this is a, a mockery of that sort of a phrase. Instead, this is basically the people of Dan just expected something to fall into their lap, that they wouldn't even have to work for it. 
Even the spies kind of get that impression in this chapter. Like, they spy out a land that should be really easy to capture. And look at what they say in verse 10. Sorry, verse 9. Will you do nothing? That's what they've been doing this whole time. It's why in chapter 1 of the book of Judges, chapter 1, verse 34, they had to flee the land that God had allotted to them because they didn't, they didn't fight for it. God would have fought for them, but they were not trusting in the Lord. And they still aren't, as you see the text today. So, the people of Dan send five men to spy out the place. Now, notice uh, Zorah and Eshtaol are mentioned. That's going to connect to the origins of Samson, right, from Judges chapter 13. We'll see that again down in verse 12, uh, that they called the place Mahane Dan, and that's where Samson was born, and, or at least would grow up, right? As we saw in Judges chapter 13, verse 25. So they spy out the land. They go up into the hill country first. They're, they're wandering around. They're going to explore what, what they can and what places have not been claimed by one of the other of the tribes of Israel. And they're exploring, and they end up in Ephraim. They end up at Micah's house from yesterday, chapter 17. Micah and his, his priest with the, the false pagan carved image of a god that they're worshiping. The 200 pieces of silver, roughly $40,000 if we were to convert that into today's numbers. And no, they stop there. They recognize this priest, and they recognize the Levite from, from Bethlehem. They recognize him by his voice. That's unique, right? You might have a person in your life that you can recognize simply by their voice. Maybe many people. Well, they recognize this guy from having interacted with him perhaps in the past in some way, shape, or form. And he shares with them why he's there and what's going on, how he became the priest of Micah, and how he, he helps him worship this false god, right? Serves this false god. They invite him to then inquire for them. Oh, you're a priest. Ask God for us. As a pastor, I can tell you that there is a bit of this in our culture today, um, this idea that somehow I am closer to God than a normal person is, um, that God will listen to me better than he will listen to you, and I will tell you here, right here, right now, that's not true. The Lord has invited you to pray to him. The Lord will speak to you. And he does it the same way that he speaks to me, which is through his word, Right? I have no special favor with God that makes me distinct from you. So it is, even here, I mean, this man, Jonathan, as we'll see, chapter 18, verse 30, the end of the text, he has no special standing with God. In fact, I'd argue here he has no standing with God. That's the question for your children. They say, inquire of God. Which God, right? Who are they? He's not a priest to Yahweh. He's a priest to a pagan idol. Who are they asking him to inquire of? And then he lies, right? He says, go in peace. The journey that you're on is under the eye of Yahweh. He's not praying to Yahweh. Abraham prayed to God. Isaac prayed to God. Jacob prayed to God. God works with his people. Eventually, they depart from there. They go further north, much further north, actually. If you're looking at the Jordan River in the Middle East there, uh, the Jordan River connects to the Sea of Galilee at the top. It was the Sea of Canareth at this time. Then it keeps going, and you get to Lake Hola, at the top of that, and Dan is probably 10 miles further north, or Laish at this point. It's going to become Dan by the end of the chapter. And they recognize 
there's a pretty wealthy and laid-back people that live there. They have no allies around, right? They're like the Sidonians, but too far from Sidon for the Sidonians to notice something happening. They don't have other people that they're allied with. This should be pretty easy to conquer. Notice the difference. They didn't want the land allotted to them by God because they were afraid of the people there. So they're going to go after a people that can't defend themselves. There's a cowardice in that, that's for sure. They report back home, and again, I noted this already, they have to tell the people of Dan to not sit around doing nothing. Don't be slow. Enter this land. Possess this land. They claim God has given it into your hands. This is false. God has given them a very different place, and they've rejected it. They're going to go claim a place of their own. A place with no lack of anything in the earth. So they just want the wealth to enjoy life. 600 men go armed with weapons of war. They encamp in Judah, and that place is then called Mahane Dan, which again is where Samson's going to grow up. They then enter the hill country of Ephraim as they're moving north yet, and they, they go to the house of Micah, and they steal his pagan gods. They steal that ephod that he has made. They steal all of his stuff. Uh, of his false pagan belief. And they invite the Levite priest to go with them, right? Rather than rejecting the fact that he's not a priest of Yahweh, they want him to serve them as priest. And you can see this, right? In verse 18, he questions them. They tell him to be quiet and to instead come with us. Look at their question. Is it better for you to be a priest to the house of one man or to be a priest to a tribe and a clan in Israel? I, I invite you to encourage your children to answer that question. As a pastor myself, one who is called to serve the Lord in a congregation, I would tell you that neither one of those is actually a better thing. The Lord has called his people, and where he has called you is good. Do not seek the calling of another. Right? To ser- If... Had this been faithful service to Micah to start with, then that would be well and good to remain in that call. Not to pridefully and boastfully seek a better position, right? Which is exactly what he does. He sees this from a very prideful perspective. See verse 20, the priest's heart was glad. Oh, wow, look at me. I get to be priest to an entire tribe instead of just one man. See the see the status and how important that was to him? And they appealed to that prideful, sinful nature of this young man. He takes the offer. He's willing to then become part of their theft. Now, in his own mind, maybe he rationalized it, thinking he's the priest, so he has to take care of this stuff. And so if he's going with these people, well, this God doesn't belong to Micah. This God this God belongs to all the people, so he's going to take this God with him. Well, that's not in the text, but that's how a priest might rationalize such a thing in his own mind. This is theft, which is intriguing because it's the theft of a pagan God, right? So again, there's, there's just nothing good in this chapter. This is one sin after another. There's the worship of pagan gods. There's the, the lack of faith. There's the rejection of Yahweh's promise. There's the rejection of the inheritance Yahweh has given to them. There, it just goes on and on. So they depart. Notice where they put their things that they want to protect. So their children, their livestock, and these new household gods, 
um, as well would probably be included in that, stuck at the front of the, the pack, the herd here as they're traveling north. Why? Because they knew people of Micah would come for them. And if the children are in the back, that's an easy slaughter in a fight. If the household goods are in the back and the household gods, it's easy for Micah to snatch them back. So Micah would have to fight through the entirety of Dan's army, which is actually not that big. 600 men is pretty puny. Micah would have to get through all of them in order to get to his stuff. And they do exactly that, right? They come up for battle. Dan recognizes that. What is the matter with you that you come with such a company? It's an interesting question. Do they not recognize that they just robbed him? Apparently not. They see nothing wrong with what they've done. Micah then, he asks a fair question, right? You take my stuff. You take my my false god. You take my priest. And you... You ask me, you ask me what is the matter with you? They then threaten him that if he does not leave, they will fall upon him. Angry fellows, right? They'll get mad about the situation. They're armed with their weapons, 600 of them. They're going to fall on him. Not only him, but his entire household, they're going to kill him. So the people of Dan are not willing to fight for the possession, the inheritance that the Lord has given them, but they're willing to fight for this false god. See a problem there? Trouble. Definite trouble. Micah sees they're too strong for him. He returns home without his his false god. So the people of Dan are going to go up to Laish to the people, quiet and unsuspecting. They strike them with the edge of the sword. They burn the city. They conquer this unsuspecting people. There's no ally to help them, verse 28, because, again, they are too far from Sidon for that aid. They go ahead and they rebuild the city. They live there. They name it Dan, after their forefather, their ancestor, the son of Israel. They set up that carved image for themselves. So this is their new city. This is their new god. This is who they're going to worship. And this young Levite from Bethlehem, priest under Micah, is now priest over Dan. And he is Jonathan, son of Gershom son of Moses, and all of his children after him, his sons after him, are going to be priests for the Danites until the day of the captivity of the land. Again, we haven't been told in the text when this happened. It's in the period of Judges, but we're not told when. The referent of verses 30 and 31, the day of captivity, is the end of the house of God being at Shiloh. So this is not a reference to the Assyrian captivity of Israel in 722 BC, much earlier. 1060 BC, roughly, when the Philistines capture the Ark of God. That's the captivity being referenced here, the throne of God taken captive by the Philistines. And at that point is when there's finally going to be a change, ultimately then for the people of Dan as well, even in their worship. It's not long after this that the city of Dan will become the host of the first northern king, uh, Jeroboam's, false god that he builds two golden calves, puts one in Dan and one in Bethel, the northern and southern edges of his territory, his kingdom, so that the people were worship that false god there. That is the sin that every king of Israel after him is accused of doing the same thing. And then before that, you have Dan, this northern city, becoming the name of the northernmost place in Israel 
Beersheba is the southernmost city, and so from Dan to Beersheba becomes a fairly common Old Testament reference for the entirety of Israel.